Biblical principles are general rules normally consistent. Like a man's right in his own eyes, that's a principle. Most all of the book of Proverbs are principles, not promises. Uh, there's a big difference between principles and promises. Principles are uh, a man's right in his own eyes, but once in a while, a man will not be right in his own eyes, and that principle will be broken. That means it cannot be a promise, because if it was a promise, it can never be broken. If God promises something, it will never be broken. It'll be that way every application, but a principle is it is it what we call in a rule of thumb. It's what normally takes place. Well, today I want to talk to you about a promise, a promise in the Bible. Promises, again, have no exceptions. And so if you take your Bibles to this promise of John chapter 12 and verse 26, it's a promise of Scripture. There's a lot of promises of Scripture. Some of them promise you that if you live godly, you'll suffer persecution, tribulation. And, and those promises were like, oh, tell me it ain't going to be so. Well, the Bible says it is. And there's a lot of promises we quote, but we often don't quote uh, the promises that rub us the wrong way, maybe, or promises suffering of some sort or resistance in this life. You know the old song, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me to heaven's golden shore. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. God never meant you to feel home. As born-again Christians, you're not supposed to get too comfortable here. This is a dark, sin-cursed world. Look everywhere, everywhere, look everywhere. Look anywhere, look everywhere. It's not getting better. We're not evolving better. And so you just look through history, the wars and rumors of wars and on and on. Uh, the generation that goes to war, maybe the generation after them will be peaceable, but the generation after them forgot what war's like and they want war. They clamor for war, not knowing the horror of it. And it repeats itself. As they say, history teaches you that history repeats itself. And the newer generations don't learn, but I can tell you that uh, there'll be a day that this whole world is going to be over for you, and you're standing before Jesus. And so let's read here in 1226. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Interesting, in John chapter 5, also in verse 22 and 23, he talks about honor when he says, For the father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the son that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. If you ever made a Jehovah Witness, take him to this verse and say, you do not honor the Son like you honor the Father. Consequently, you dishonor the Son. And nobody's going to fare well that dishonors the Son. Nobody. God is not a respecter of persons. No one person has an in with God more than another. And we'll all be judged on a level playing field according to the word of God. So, but going back here to verse 26 in chapter 12, if any man serve me, him will my father honor. This is a New Testament as well as an Old Testament promise. The title of the, of the message is the principle, or I should say the promise, here I go again, the promise of honor, dishonor. The promise of the honor, dishonor. 
It should have been that. It was, and I miss. Well, I tell you, sometimes I even get confused. But God, God has. Um, you remember the old priest Eli? You say I don't remember. I never read the Bible. Well, if you haven't read the Bible, you just follow me up. I'll try to give you some background. But if you read the Bible much, you remember the old, the old priest Eli of the children of Israel. First Samuel, book of First Samuel, chapter two, verse thirty. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I shall indeed, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me, for them that honor me will I honor. There's that, it's a promise. Found in chapter 12, verse 26 in John. Found also in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and other places. But he says, for them that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me, shall be lightly esteemed, or if I may say it, despised. Eli was a priest, a high, high privilege to be a priest of Israel, uh, to the children of Israel. Eli himself, for the most part, did what was right. And I've seen preachers this way happen to them. For The preacher does what's right. He stands, takes a good stand for God, believes the Bible, endeavors to be not, you know, real and not hypocritical, and obey it, but he has children. And, and, and I don't know why this is, but there's an axiom out there. Some of the worst people are preacher's kids. Why is that? Horrible. I often think because preacher's kids are targeted by the devil himself, because if he can get the kids, he can hurt the preacher. Well, in Eli... That's exactly what happened. The kids of Eli, two boys, were horrible. Let's read it. Take your Bible to 1 Samuel, if you could, chapter 2, verse 27, 29. If you don't want to do that, just listen to me. It's fine. If you don't have a Bible, there's a red book, right red book in front of you somewhere that you'll be able to follow along, or you can just listen. 1 Samuel 2, 27, 29 says, And there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt and in Pharaoh's house? Did, and did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer up mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation. Now that is a serious accusation. Kicking at God's privilege that he's given you, a high privilege to serve him. And so here's, here's what he says, what happened? And honorest thy sons above me. And you can put there if you want to, thy children. But in this case, it was two boys above me. To make yourselves fat were the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Eli did little to nothing about his children's violations as priests of Israel before God. In chapter 2, verse 17, let's read more. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Because of these two men's hypocrisy, because of these two men's illegitimacy, because of these two men's open sin in the ministry, without any seeming ramifications, 
the people began to abhor the things of God. Now, there's a lot of preaching around what I just said right there today. Some of the reason why when we go tell people Jesus saves and they don't believe it is because preachers, people that have represented God, been called of God, have violated the things of God, or their children have violated the things of God, and favoritism towards them and leniency towards them was displayed rather than truth, honest judgment, like anybody would expect. Remember, Liberty, you know, we have the Statue of Liberty. She's got a blindfold on. Not supposed to respect persons. Just supposed to judge what's right. And I think in the de depths of the heart of most people, that's what they want. And in verse 22 to 25, and Eli was very old and heard all this his sons did unto all Israel. And how they lay with the women that assemble at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. God forbid. These, these women came and they had immoral relations with him. And he said unto them, this is Eli who said, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. In other words, there's a big old testimony to what was going on. It was well known. And the Bible let us in the fact that the people began to abhor the things of God and they were, you know, it's a bunch of hypocrites and they don't mean what they say and say what they mean. Let's just stay away from it. And here's what he says. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Duh. You make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. Let me just say this. When my dad disciplined me, it was, it was no words and a whole bunch of action. You with me? Cut the talk and start the walk. I mean, when my dad and mom said, believed I did something wrong, they didn't just go, that's going to be time out. There was, I told this story over and over. We had a, a four-year-old we had to dismember from our school. We had, to, we had to expel from our school. Four-year-old. Four-year-old. A four-year-old. And so I walked the mother out to her car. She had a minivan, slid the door back, put the kid in his chair. And I went up to the kid, and I was trying to console him some. He spit in my face. He spit in my face. Now, you know I'm saved, don't you? You know I'm saved. Born again, transformed, predestined, elected, and atoned for, brother. I got it all. Because I want to grab that little spoiled brat and show him the moon. Because you could tell he had never been spanked for anything or very other than what Eli did. Don't you know what you did is wrong? You know, she came over there after I'm wiping the spit off my face. She said, now, boy, you're going to get some time out for that. Time out? How about knocked out? 
Only, let's go back to Eli now. Only verbal rebuke for open immorality at the house of God by the supposed man of God ordained by God, given that position by God, you're going to tell them what you did was bad. These men used God's position of service to fleece God's people. It's going on today. And it'll go on until Jesus comes. They used their position to steal the offerings from these people before they offered them. We don't want that cooked. We don't want that boiled. Give it to us raw. They were supposed to, by the, under the law, boil it and take out of that. What? No, no, just give it to us. We don't care about the law. We don't care about God. Just take it away. Man, the last, I'm going to say the least punishment for what they did, the least punishment for what they did would be to be fired publicly and shamed. Amen. Do I have an amen on that? The law would have called for their physical death according to the law of Moses, which they, by the way, supposedly represented. None of that is spoken of. No, no. Only verbal rebuke, and that rebuke doesn't sound very severe to me. Does it you? Well, it must not sound very severe to God either. Because... For the person, eventually, you know, Eli, his two sons were killed in battle. The Ark of the Covenant was taken by the enemy. Eli heard the news, fell back, and broke his neck all in one day. Boom. If you judge your children now for the wrong that they do and do it biblically, God won't have to judge them later. Because when God judges them, it's going to be a whole lot more severe than when you judge them. When you, when you spank your child, you're teaching them a principle that ultimately will be carried out to its end at the great white throne judgment. When people stand before God, having rejected Jesus Christ, ignored his word, ignored the testimony of nature that there is a God, believed in evolution, believed everything but what the Bible says, eventually they stand before Jesus Christ. You can look this up yourself in Revelation chapter 20, and they'll be condemned and be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. Jesus spoke more about that than he did heaven. I thank God for, a, for a, a set of parents who cared more about me than they cared for themselves. I thank God I had a, a set of parents who no matter what I was going to do, if I went crazy, went wild, tried to move them to the left, they would never move. Because they knew that they weren't going to have to answer for me. How many times I've seen 
parents moved away from the things of God by their children. What a horror that is. Just to please their children. Just to make their children like them. Listen, Troy's here today. I didn't care whether Troy liked me or not. I cared whether God liked me. You with me by that? In other words, I'm going to be accountable to God. Troy, I'm not going to stand in front of Troy someday. And I tried to discipline Troy in a fair and honest and biblical manner so that someday when I stood before God, he could, see, he could say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Obviously, I wasn't perfect in that. No, there's no name it. If, if there were a perfect parent here, would you please stand up? There are no perfect parents. But God will honor those who honor him, but he'll also dishonor those who dishonor him. I'm going somewhere. Notice how God treated those who honored him. For the person who honors God gets honor. God often overlooks even the weaknesses of people who decide to honor God in their lives. He'll overlook their failures. He'll even overlook their shortcomings. Of course they have consequences, absolutely. More than even that, God pours upon people who are decide to put him first in, in their lives, and that's what honor is all about. They decide to honor God. He puts upon them his personal blessing and his grace and anoints literally the work of their hands. I love that part of the Bible where the Bible says, Whatsoever Joseph did, God blessed the work of his hands as a slave. Mm. Wow. When I first read it, I started praying, Oh, God, please bless the work of my hands. But the prerequisite is to honor God. And if you honor God, you honor his word, right? What's written in the word, written by him, the Holy Spirit of God, made clear to us. You honor the word of God. You honor the house of God. You honor the things of God. Let me name you some people this happened in. You know, I'm glad that God uses imperfect vessels for his service. How about you? Because if that didn't happen, there wouldn't be anybody serving God. Everybody in here this morning, again, Christian, I hope you believe that you are a servant of God. You, you have dedicated yourself to be a servant of God. Not, not self-serving. Not, not fulfilling your dreams, but fulfilling God's dreams. Huh. God's dreams last forever. Your dreams won't. And so let me give you some, some people you may, be, you may be familiar with. Number one, let me give you Abraham. Abraham. God blessed Abraham because God, because Abraham honored God. Now, you know the story. I don't have time to go through it, but when he even was asked to to uh, sacrifice his only son, he was willing to do that. Hebrews tells us he just figured that God would raise him from the dead. Now that honors God, brother. If you believe somebody so much that when God tells you, go ahead and slay your son, and you just say, okay, I guess, but you know this son's going to be my heir, and my heir's going to have seeds beyond the stars of heaven, so I know you, you cannot lie. I know whatever you say is true, so one way or another, even if I slay him, you're going to raise him up because your word has to be true. You honor God that much, and people will know you like they know Abraham. The word Abraham. 2166 B.C. 
That's some almost 4,000, I'm not very good at math, as many of you know, but that's some 4,000 years ago. We're still here in 2018 talking about Abraham, and he's talked about worldwide by preachers that believe the Bible. Abraham. Abraham. But most of you that read the Bible know that he was a liar, had a problem with lying. Now, I can guarantee you, that I'm not going to go into this very long, but the women here today, most married women here today, would not want to put up with your husband risking your life to save his hide. How, how would you do with that? Uh, they, they basically, when he came in a dangerous place, you'd say, now, now uh, you, don't tell him you're my wife, because if, if you, you know, you're so beautiful... And Sarah must have been a knockout. You're so beautiful that they're going to kill me for you. So you tell them I'm just your brother, and she does it. What did she do? She honored her husband, which, which God told her to. And so you got two people there, Sarah and Abraham, both honored God, even to the risking of their own skin. And yet, in Abraham's case, in some cases, he lies, and yet God still used him. Why? Because Abraham, in the big picture, put God first. He honored Sarah, even though when she heard she was going to have a kid, laughed in doubt. Yes, she had imperfections, but she still put God first, and he honored her. How about Jacob? Jacob, I don't like him. When I see him, I'm probably going to say that. Jacob, I don't like you. I probably won't. But you are a you're sneaky snake, deceiving, lying dog. And he'll go, yeah, that was me. But I put God first. In most of Jacob's life, he honored God. And so God overlooked the weakness part of Jacob, even though I personally want to read the story about Jacob, I'm like, I mean, man, he cheated his brother. He would, It wasn't good. But yet, that wasn't the majority of his life. In his focus, he wanted to put God first, and God honored Jacob. What about Moses? Moses, the meekest of all men. There's almost nobody knows anything about the Bible doesn't know the name Moses. Abraham and Moses, two, maybe the two most well-known figures in the Old Testament. Why? Because Moses honored God. But what else did he do? He murdered a man in cold blood. Now, God doesn't approve of the murder. But what I'm saying, he overlooks our weaknesses if we will put him first. Overlooks not, they're sure there was consequences. Are you kidding? Moses, because he murdered that man, spent 40 years in the wilderness and married a sheep girl instead of an Egyptian. And yet, in the big picture, he honored God. How about David? Man, you know David, King David, King David, we got honored by God, is still to this day being honored by God. But the man committed outright adultery and murdered the husband of the woman so he could marry her. That's, a, that's pretty low. Well, what about Joseph? Now, Joseph, not a bad thing said about Joseph, but he was a slave, sold into slavery. But Joseph, being a, being a piece of property, way worse than racism, way worse than discrimination, he was a piece of property. His life 
could be taken at the whim of his owner with no consequences. But Joseph trusted God. He put him first. Over and over again, Joseph just kept putting God first and putting God first. He got to be the second most powerful man in all of Egypt, and if I may say, all of the world. How about Daniel? Similar. Daniel, not a bad word said about Daniel. But Daniel uh, was uh, taken as, uh, when Jerusalem was overrun, Daniel was taken, he was castrated, and he was, he was, he was put in as a servant of the people who murdered his mom and dad. He didn't get bitter. He trusted God. Read the book of Daniel. He trusted God. He honored God above his circumstances. Above, you know, Daniel, you're shot, man. You're being used as a slave of the very people. You're, you're being used to benefit the people who killed your people, your people. He said, I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to put him first. That honors God, right? You know Daniel? Yeah, you do, don't you? I think of Elijah, same thing. Elijah was a prophet of God. He got depressed, ran from a woman. Now, men, women, don't listen to this. Shut your ears, don't listen to this. This is just men talk. We're in a room of men. Shame on you from running from a woman. Unless she's got a gun. I'll tell you, I haven't met a woman I didn't feel like I'd whip. You say, well, brother, there's been a few. Yes, there probably has. But I mean, you know, men, we... we Tarzan. Elijah, God came. He caused lightning to come down and, and take the sacrifices, the altar and the water on your prayer. He caused rain to come. Had him come in three and a half years because you asked him. And Jezebel gets mad. Oh, by the way, you killed 850 of the false prophets. And after all of that, Jezebel simply says, uh, tomorrow I'm going to have your head. A little frail, over made up woman. Ah! He runs down to the south. Gets in a cave, hides like a rat. God's man. But God used him anyway, didn't he? And you know the word Elijah today. And you know the name Elijah today. Why? He honored God. Folks, don't forget John 12, 26. If you'll honor the Son, the Father will honor you. And I mean, you know, you can get up here and I can talk about all kinds of specificity of sins that are, that'll, that'll pull you back and troubles that'll pull you back. But listen to me. I'm talking about something bigger than all of that. I'm talking about if you'll put God above your dreams and above your aspirations and above your lusts and above your pleasures and above your personal choices in this life, and you'll seek to do His will and His will only, whatever He leads you. And if He will make it clear enough for you to understand, in some degree, you will attempt by the grace of God to do His will and to honor Him. I believe God cares about your holy intention. At 18 years old, I got on my knees before God and had a holy intention of putting him number one in my life above all I had. I hadn't shown him that up to that point at all. 
But at 18, I said, Lord God, I want to put you first in my life. And then, then kept doing it, you know, kept doing it. Not just a once forever, but kept doing it. This dedication we had for this baby, this is not just a one Sunday deal. This is something they have to do day after day after day after day after day. But they've set themselves to do it. You need a starting point. Make, make it a prayer in your life. God, I want to put you one. Get up in the morning and say, Father, I want to put you one number one in my life today. You're going to be tempted and pulled in every kind of direction to go off of that path. But don't let it happen. Or if you get off the path, come back and repent. And get back on the path to honor God. And put him first. I don't have time this morning to talk about how Jesus did that. He said in John 8, 29, for I do always those things that please him. Jesus as the incarnate son of God. Nobody ever liked Jesus. He was God-man. Nobody ever been like that. Nobody ever will be like that. But when he left heaven and came down to earth here, he changed. And he became submissive to the Father's very words and spoke only what the Father told him to speak and did what the Father asked him to do. And you remember the Garden of Gethsemane where he's, where he's struggling and sweating as it were great drops of blood because of the agony which is facing him to become sin for us who knew no sin. That you and I can be made the righteousness of God in him. And you know the agony went through, and he said, yet not my will, but thine be done. That's where we get sometimes. Sometimes God asks you to do something. You say, oh, no, not that. I just, I'm, I'm shy, or I'm this, I can't do it. But if you'll just, in the end of that prayer, sure tell God why you can't do it. But when you get done telling him why you can't do it, at the end of that prayer, end it this way, not my will, but thine be done. For the person that honors God, that's what they do. They don't say how they're going to do it. They don't know what it's going to do. But Lord... Not my will, but thine be done. What is God looking for? He's looking for a group of people that will be loyal when they have choices not to be loyal. See, once you go on the other side, you've got no more choices about that. This side is where you have the choices. This side is where the temptation is. This side is where you have uh, different voices. Now you prove who you are. Not over there. You prove that now. And if you'll trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and put, seek to honor him, he'll come to you, and even in this life, he'll honor you. You say, I don't need honor, don't want honor. He said, don't make any difference, I'm going to honor you. Because if you will honor the Son, him will the Father honor. It's a promise. Father, help us today to understand this truth. My Father, we pray that the Spirit of the living God would come, and you've said you will, and we, we trust that Sunday after Sunday that you'll preach this, that you'll uh, indelibly place this in the minds of the people who have an open spirit and heart. There could be some here this makes a difference between ending well or ending horribly. This morning, this could make the difference between ending like Hophni and Finn has, dishonoring God, dishonoring their dad, dishonoring their office, and eventually dying under judgment. Or ending like Joseph ended, or ending like Daniel ended. 
ending like David ended. Or like Abraham ended. Or like Jacob ended. Or like Elijah ended. What will it be for you? Father, help. Come even to this moment, this holy moment. May folks make a holy intention. Lord God, I don't know the future. But I dedicate you as number one in my life. I want to honor you in everything I do. Help me when I stumble. The Bible says the righteous falls seven times, riseth up again. Help me when I stumble, but overall, get back up, brush yourself off, and say, I want to honor you. Father, maybe there's some in this room, even this morning, who would say, that's me. God help them. There could be some folks here this morning, no, not Christ, their personal Savior, but they're searching for truth. There's a lot of voices in this world. But you, when you hear the voice of God, you'll know it. Different from all the other voices, you'll know it. Father, help them know your voice. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Help them to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.